This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. David Shirazi is a dentist and acupuncturist with a focus on pain and sleep. And he discusses the science behind why we sleep and why it's so essential for our performance. David, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. I'm glad you're here because I remember when I started my journey in productivity way back in 2011, and I thought it was all about calendar apps and to-do lists. Now I understand the importance of getting not just sleep, not just any sleep. You have to get quality sleep, and that's what we're going to talk about in the show today. One of the things I learned from Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, it's your body loves consistency. It doesn't want to go to bed at 10 o'clock and then at nine o'clock and two o'clock in the morning. It wants to go to bed at the same time every night and get up at the same time every day. Yes, that means the weekends. That means on vacation. So why don't you talk to us about, first of all, why it is so important for us as human beings to get quality sleep? Excellent uh, question. And I want everyone to just preface everything that we're talking about. Uh, in the context of survival, okay, so and evolution. So we get uh, four stages of sleep, right? We've got stage one, which is alpha, which is just resting, physical rest. Stage two, it's a little bit deeper rest. It's not that much of a big deal. We actually don't know the most about that one. That's the one we know the least about. And then we have stage three, which is delta, where we get almost all of our growth hormone, right? And after we're done growing, we need growth hormone to repair, okay? And literally almost 100% of our growth hormone comes from that one stage of sleep. And then we have REM, where we do our emotional processing, our memory consolidation, and now we're finding out that we have a lymphatic system in our brains and it clears out the beta amyloid plaques out of our blood vessels during REM. So just getting enough sleep and getting, you know, because we, we do these cycles, five or six cycles a night, you know, one, two, three, REM, one, two, three, REM, et cetera. And the, the first half of the night, we do more of the one, two, three. And the latter half of the morning, we do more of the REM. That's why we kind of wake up in the morning, you know, remembering our dreams, because we're doing the most amount of dreaming in the early hours of the morning. And the body likes consistency because it's, you know, our brain has a circadian rhythm, which sunlight tells it, okay, it's time to wake up. And darkness is like, okay, now it's time to sleep, <laughs> right? Yep. And that's the thing. Again, survival, our brains use, our, you know, gets the information from the photons of light from our eyeballs. And the brain cannot decipher a photon of light from an iPad or an iPhone or a computer screen than the sun. So when we're on it, it, it confuses us about, well, well, when is it actually bedtime? That, that is so true. And I'll tell you about what I do for my bedtime routine in just a minute. But one of the things that I was astounded by, I don't know if I learned it from Matthew Walker's book or some other source, but when our brain is in one of the, the levels of sleep, and you probably know the answer to this, our brain actually shrinks that allows the brain to purge the body, uh, the brain of all the toxins. And this can't happen if you're awake. Can you That's talk correct. about that? Well, to the extent that I know, so just as we're talking about in REM, where our lymphatic system cleans it out, it dumps it into the cerebral spinal fluid, which then gets pumped and then, you know, filtered, you know, through the blood eventually. 
um, when we're uh, upright and we're walking, uh, we can't have a moment where we're, you know, our brains are shrunken and therefore not at full capacity. Because again, it's about survival, right? I mean, you have to think, I mean, no one ever told us that you have to lay down to go to sleep. We just automatically lay down, mm. right? And having our brains go into this state, this, what's the word, hibernation state, eight hours of every day. Um, if I mean, just to get an idea of how important it is, think about this. In, in the context of evolution and survival, when survival was risky, I mean, right now, risk is way less than when, you know, 100,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Uh, and back then, there was real danger from animals and, and, and predators and other humans and et cetera in the dark, right? And still, evolution said sleep is so important, we will paralyze you for eight hours out of every day in the dark while you're lying down, okay, because you need it so badly, <laughs> that, right? That it is genuinely, sense. yeah, and it is genuinely without you know, without trying to make clickbait or anything like that, it is more important than diet and exercise. I, you know, I, I know what you're saying is true because I've done my research. My mother is 76 years old. She has late onset Alzheimer's and I had an opportunity to talk to her neuropsychologist night because her mom died of Alzheimer's. Mom's going to die of Alzheimer's unless something else gets her. And I asked him, I said, is there anything I can do? And he said, diet exercise and sleep <laughs> because that's the same thing. Every doctor has been telling everyone since the beginning of time. Diet, okay. Diet, and sleep. Did they say what about the diet though? This is the part that's going to get me upset if they didn't say it. He said processed foods, the, the diet sodas, the Coca-Cola's, the ice creams, your body needs fruits and vegetables. That's what the body needs. So if you're eating McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're having cupcakes and, and you're okay. smoking cigarettes and all that stuff, that is not going to be conducive to health. Okay. So generally speaking, that's true. But if they actually told you all that in the context of your, you know, late on stage Alzheimer's mother, that's malpractice. Okay. You, someone who has Alzheimer's or beginning Alzheimer's needs to go on a hundred percent ketogenic diet. Okay. If you look it up, uh, Alzheimer's is sometimes called type three diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's so sensitive to sugar. Okay. And we must not have any of it. Okay. Heavy metals are also another concern with that, but being, uh, having a rich fatty diet like coconut oil. My father had the same thing. And this was something I, I struggled with his, with his wife, my, my stepmom. I kept telling him, like, listen, give him plenty of coconut oil, no sweets, no sugars, not even fruit, even though it has fiber, leave it alone, give him keto. And she was an excellent cook. I'm like, just keto, keto. And she couldn't do it. Like, you know, she had these habits, these belief systems that, oh, he might get a heart condition if, uh, we give him too much fat. It's like, you know, he's old. He's in his late 70s. He doesn't, the concern is not getting a heart attack at this point, right? The concern is a degenerative brain. So we need to support that. We need to switch the brain from going off of glucose to going to ketones. 
And there is data on this. It's not like, ah, it's not my suggestion. You know, this is what the, the evidence is showing. Hey, you listening to the Mark Jachowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Jachowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Well, the body doesn't need sugar. I mean, there's been so much written on that, and yet the sugar lobby says that Americans had 25% of their diet made of sugar. So your body does not need sugar. I agree with you hundred percent on that, but I'm not a nutritionist. I'm a productivity expert. So I want to pivot back to getting ready for bed. Cause this is something a lot of people don't do, mm-hmm. especially in the age of 2021. We all have our iPhones and iPads and Macs. And, and so what I do, and I'll be completely honest, I don't do this every night because that would be a lie and I don't lie on my show. So I will tell people, I try to do this more often than not. I turn the TV off around eight o'clock. And then I'll go read a print book next to my bed. I have a 40 watt yellow light bulb, not the sun color. It's a yellow light bulb. And I will read and my body knows when I sit there reading a print book, it knows, okay, it's time to go to bed. I don't have any other lights on in my house. The the house is already being cooled down with the air conditioner and I'm getting ready for bed. That's how I set myself up for sleep. And when I do that, I sleep better than if I don't, if, if I have a discussion, a heated discussion, if you will, with my wife or something else happens. Like recently we had fire fireworks on the 4th of July. People were firing fireworks on July 3rd, July 4th and July 5th. And that disrupted my sleep. But I used to get worried when I didn't get a good night's sleep, which causes you to lose more sleep. So I'm just like, okay, I didn't have a good sleep tonight and I'll get a good sleep night the next night but i think when people are not realizing that you've got to set yourself up because everybody talks about a morning routine you also need to have a bedtime routine as well more important than the morning routine in my opinion um so we we have a uh there's a term in the industry called sleep hygiene things we do to prepare for bedtime you know as you said for consistency so i think what you're doing is great um if you want to do a little experiment on yourself if you get some high quality uh, blue blockers, uh, which are those orange glasses that block the blue light, if you wore that, if all you did was put those on in addition to what you're doing, you actually get used to it pretty quick. In the beginning, everything looks orange and you know yellow looks pink and all of that, but you get your eyes adapt pretty quick. If you did that, I would imagine you would sleep that much harder. Right, because you're you're further telling your brain, okay, um, it really is deep late at night. I should be sleeping hard, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so so and and do it before you start watching TV. Like pop it on, okay. You know what? And and I would even go I would even go further and say, avoid news, <laughs> right? Like all the local news channels, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of them. Avoid them all because they're all bad news, mm-hmm. right? There's very little positivity in it. They they worry people about things we have almost no control in, um, and it makes people very anxious. So I, you know, just you, you, you know, if it's pertinent, you'll get it in an email, or a friend will tell you, or you'll it'll it'll gets repeated enough that you find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, dark room is huge. You know. Uh, 
the blinds are covered, right? It's dark. Um, cool, like you said you're doing, that's excellent. Um, making sure that your bedroom is only used for sleeping and sex, yes. nothing more. Mm-hmm. Okay? So no eating, no family discussion, let alone fight, you know, that room and no work, you know, no laptop on the bed clacking away because again, you're, you're training your brain that this little zone is no longer, is also a workplace and that's not, that's not healthy. Mm. One of the things I, one of the habits I picked up a long time ago when I used to live in apartments for years, you know, no one gets out of high school and buys a house. You live in apartments and I cannot I remember back in the days of the apartments, people coming and going all hours. They're playing the TV yes. too loud. So I started using oscillating, oscillating fans. Now I've got to the point now that I do not like rooms that are completely quiet and have no air moving. So even when it gets cold, it does get cold here in Houston in the wintertime for a couple of weeks. I will have the oscillating, the oscillating fan or the ceiling fan on really low just to keep the air moving. When I, when that happens, I feel better. I just have the, I don't know if the phobia, I just don't like air not being still. And plus, even though I live in a home, if I don't have anything on, I can hear what's going on outside, maybe a plane flying over or a police car or, you know, something. So that works for me. Now, if you're used to silence, by all means, don't start having white noise. When I go to a hotel, I have to have a white noise uh, app on my phone. But that's really good advice, what you told us, because... If you are not setting yourself up for sleep success, you're not going to get a good night's sleep. You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to be tired. You're probably going to hit the snooze bar. You're going to be running around with like a chicken with head cut off all day long because you didn't get enough sleep. And it can all be prevented by setting yourself up for sleep success. Now, I will tell you, I have a saying that I tell my clients and my listeners, stay informed, not obsessed. So there's one source I watch for news. It's only available four days a week. And I don't watch it right before bed. I watch it like five o'clock in the afternoon. So I know what's going on. Okay. But I don't check. I don't, I'm not even on Twitter anymore. I don't check the news a lot of times because it's all about we're all going to die and the Martians are going to take us over and the sun's going to explode. <laughs> How are you supposed to go to sleep when you he- just hear that news? So I think it's okay to check in on the news and know what's going on, but don't like watch it for seven hours a day. You Find one source that you trust. Don't watch it before bed so you know what's going on. So if someone goes, have you heard about the pandemic? You shouldn't go. Pandemic, you know, that's a silly example. But I think the problem is people, they leave the news on, and people have told me this, they leave the news on in the background for background noise. Why don't you put some classical music on? That'd be much better for you. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it, it, that's, the, the, the difference between having the news on and having classical music on it, to me, is the difference between getting an amazing massage versus being boiled in acid. <laughs> okay, it's such a dichotomy. It's not even a consideration. Like I would never consider leaving the news on. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it is so toxic. I've had to train people, loved ones in my life. They'll say, "Guess what happened?" I said, "Okay, does this, is this going to affect?" what I do in the next hour or the next day. Okay. Is there a satellite going to fall on my head? Is there a plane going to crash <laughs> on my house? Cause let's face it. Everybody got wrapped up about the election. Okay. It doesn't matter who's in the white house. I still have podcasts to do clients to coach. And so I tell people, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Okay. I do my news source. 
because I know if people keep telling me, did you hear, did you hear, did you hear? Then as I sit down to read my book, number one, I can't focus because I'm worried about what they said, how's it going to affect my life. And then I try to go to sleep and I can't focus on sleeping. I try to do gratitude all because these people told me, hey, did you hear, did you hear? I don't want to know that. So I try to train people who I love around me. Look, I don't want to know. Go, go talk to those people over there about the news, but I don't want to know it because I know how it makes me feel. Yeah. And many indigenous cultures, they don't have a word for stress. Mm. It doesn't exist. I, I once went through um, the Yucatan and, you know, I, I was blessed to have a tour of just, you know, a rural family. You know, they had, they didn't have any doors. They, they had a chicken running around. They slept in hammocks. They had a wall where they, you know, on the floor where they burn firewood to make their dinner every night. And the wall was black from all the soot. And so we, I asked them, I go, do they have stress? Do they know what stress is? Are they okay? And, and he asked her and the mom said, uh, well, you know, my son, my son left to go live in the big city and I haven't heard from him in a couple of years. So, you know, I guess the worry word would be maybe worry. Right. But, she had that. That's what she had to think about when she had to think about stress. <laughs> that was all. That was all she had. It was great. I was like, "This is wonderful, right?" And then you know we get worked up about things. I mean, you know, the other aspect of it is, if I can go on a slight tangent, is media has now made it has normalized getting offended at the pettiest things instead of allowing people to be personally responsible for their own feelings, personally responsible for their own life. They've now pandered to the lowest common denominator of insecurity and said, ah, okay, yes, you are offended out of 10,000 people. You were offended by what this comedian said, you know, we need to put you on CNN and so you can talk about how your feelings were hurt. And it was, Maybe it took you an extra five minutes to fall asleep that night. Yeah. You know, it's like, so it's like, it's, it's this artificial world. Hey there, it's Mark. And I just want to hop in here real quick to invite you to follow me on both Facebook and Instagram. I'm really easy to find there. Just go to the search and type in Mr. Productivity. Two words, Mr. Productivity on Facebook and on Instagram. Well, it's interesting to me is, you know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok like most other people are. But when I come across something that's negative, I just swipe it. I, I, I don't I don't want that negativity because negativity doesn't just make you feel bad in the moment. It affects your productivity, affects your mindset, it affects your sleep. And so I really caution people, be careful who you're listening to, whether it's a podcast, what you're watching on TV, who you're following, what books you're reading, because all this stuff goes in your subconscious mind. And then it may pull it out at two o'clock in the morning and then you're tossing and turning. You can't figure out why. So be very careful what you allow in your brain. Yes. Yes, be the guardian of the temple of your soul. Absolutely, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And and I'll tell you something. You know, my focus uh, as a sleep expert is on snoring and sleep apnea for adults and children, right? But and as much as we know the negative effects of snoring and sleep apnea, especially in children, uh, the the one aspect that seems to not be talked about very often is something called an arousal in our sleep. 
that is technically when we're in those two stages like Delta or REM, we get kicked out, let's say, from a barking neighbor's dog, for example. We get kicked out of it and we go into stage one or two, which is lighter sleep, for 10 seconds or more. Okay. That arousal, while we were needing a critical health measure, meaning growth hormone or mental emotional brain processing, um, is what causes the majority of the problems that we have from sleep disorders, the inflammatory markers. So for example, it's, it's well documented in the literature that sleep apnea can cause hypertension, that sleep apnea can cause type two diabetes. And, and we can say the word cause, you know, we, cause you know, usually in medicine, you have to just act like you don't know where it came from, right? But we can say it was a cause because oftentimes when we resolve it, the type 2 diabetes goes away, the uh, hypertension goes away, the depression and anxiety goes away. Mm. You know, we call it psych. If you ever want to do a, a, a literature search, you would look up sleep apnea and psychosocial uh, disorders. Uh, but we actually see there was a huge study out of JAMA, you know, Journal of AMA. Mm-hmm. They did, I think, uh, on 1,400 patients, age 30 to 60. They had them measure how depressed they were, right? On a scale of from, yeah, I have some, you know, sad thoughts from time to time to I think about committing suicide every day. It's called the Zung's depression scale. Okay. And, and they did sleep studies on them. And lo and behold, they found the severity of their sleep apnea was 100% overlapping with the severity of their uh, depression. And uh, just the depression and sleep apnea were together. Wow. Right. And then, of course, in follow up studies, they'll take patients that have known sleep apnea and depression who maybe didn't want to take the medication or what have you, and they'll resolve it with either CPAP or an oral appliance, which is what I do. And they'll start saying, you know what? I don't feel those sad thoughts anymore. And I don't, ha- I'm not as anxious as I once was. And, and so we know it, it, it balances our, our autonomic nervous system. Sleep is so just important. Mm. I took, um, Tony Robbins has a thing called Unleash the Power Within, and I went to his virtual event uh, June 4th through the 6th, I believe it was, or 3rd through the 6th. And I heard something there, not said by Tony, it was by one of the other speakers that really alarmed me because I've done a lot of research on speaking. He says, you only need, if you're healthy, you only need four to five hours of sleep. And I'm like, when I heard that, I turned to my wife, I said, you know, I've read a lot of research on sleep. No one says four to five hours. All the experts say seven to nine hours. And I was stunned when they said it because this is like like 50,000 people are watching this. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? No. Yes, sir. Some people can get by in less sleep, but the neuroscience is saying seven to nine hours. What do you say? Well, was he in that conversation? I wasn't there, uh, although I've taken that course before, that weekend before in person. Um was he talking about meditation? No, he was talking about your ability to get four to five hours of sleep. You should get out of bed, excited and raring to go. And I'm like, not with four to five hours. There's no way. There, there are some outliers probably, but every research I've seen, they said seven to nine hours is the magic number. I've never heard anyone other than this guy say four to five. Yeah. So it really is nine hours. 
And the reason we know it's nine hours is that is what has been recorded before the invention of the light bulb. So before we had street lights and 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 etc. I mean, before like light bulbs, we had um, little lanterns mm-hmm. that we kept inside the house, and they were a little flicker of light. It wasn't as much light at all. Um, so nine hours is really what we need. And and you would think, because you know, city life and modern life is so stressful mm-hmm. compared to the way it was. Uh, I would imagine a minimum of nine hours in, in today's time, if we can get away from the light. That's why I keep stressing those blue blockers. Uh, the only, and so I agree with you that we need, you know, that, you know, high numbers, four to five is not enough. The only rare exceptions would be people that meditate, like, like professional meditators, if I can use that term, people that can go into theta, like a which monk. is the same, like a monk, like a monk, uh, people that, cause theta is the same, uh, wavelength as REM. Oh, okay. So REM being so important, if, if you could, uh, meditate and get into theta for a good 30 minutes or more, you would need less sleep. I had not heard that. That's very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. Well, as we wrap up the episode here, is there anything on your heart that you would like to share with our listeners today? Uh, well, just everything we talked about, I thought was great. I mean, getting enough sleep and make sure it's quality sleep is important. Um, you know, we talked about earlier about those arousals with like the noisy neighbor's dog. A much more common uh, issue is having a bed partner that snores or has sleep apnea. Right. I, 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 I coined the term um, secondhand snoring. Right. <laughs> and and actually the Cleveland Clinic did a study on it. And what they found was uh, they, they started off with eleven hundred patients, did the husband and wife in bed. And, you know, just for just for ease of conversation, you know, I'm anthropomorphizing. Um, Let's say it was the men that had the sleep apnea, right? Obviously, some women had it too and the men didn't. But let's just say, generally speaking, the men had it and the women didn't have it. And the men who had sleep apnea, they had 27 arousals an hour associated with their apnea. Well, the bed partner had 21 arousals Mm. an hour with no sleep apnea. Right. So of the 1100 patients, they whittle it down to 150 that stuck with the CPAP. Yeah. And they didn't do follow up studies on the wives, but they questioned the wives and said, how have, how are you sleeping and how is, how are you doing overall now that your husband has a CPAP machine and his, his sleep apnea is under control? And they would say, Oh, uh, you know, my headaches are gone. My mood is better. My, you know, my appetite is better. Their whole lives had improved that because their sleep had improved by not having the noisy bed partner. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. That's, you know, we talked about a lot today, but that last part is really stunning. So, um, Dave, where can we go to find out more about you and the, and to find out the dent you're putting in the universe? Yeah. So really the best place is my website, TMJLA, like, Tom, Mary Jones, LA for Los Angeles. I have two offices and the website 
has this sort of information and has podcasts and things like that that you can look for for info. You can find me on Facebook, uh, you know, TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley or TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center of Los Angeles. And we have a lot of, you know, uh, literature and information and things that people can look up for themselves. Or if they just want to get in touch with us and find out, like, you know, what can I do? Can I get a sleep study? Can I treat it with an oral appliance? Can I get orthodontics on my kid? You know, that sort of thing. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolute delight talking to you about sleep. Thank you. It's my pleasure being here too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.